everybody, welcome back to Swedenborg in Life. Today we're going to be talking about marriage love. So glad to have you here with us on this conversational journey. My name is Curtis Childs, and I'll be your host. With me as always, Dr. Jonathan Rose. Hey, Curtis. Thanks so much for coming, and thanks to all of you. If you've been enjoying this series, where we slowly go through and describe the nature of everything, according to Swedenborg, right? That's Which right. Is not, That's right. not too bad a scope. Uh, please like and subscribe. That helps us keep going. It lets us know. Oh, someone just did it right there. Great job. It lets us know we're doing a good job. Let's YouTube know and all that. And today, like I said, we're continuing our walk through everything. Mm. Everything that matters. And so, you know, would you really, the cosmos and the nature of it, and marriage, is that up there in the side? But Swedenborg decided that it was worth it to put out a whole treatise on the subject. And we're going to dive into how does that fit in his cosmology, what's he saying, the controversy surrounding all the above. It's going to be a great time. So glad to have you with us, but we can't just walk into that cold. No, no. We've no, got, you wouldn't want to do that. Uh, we got to do some icebreaker here. So let's see if we can get ourselves in the mode of thinking about this kind of stuff with a good question. Okay, so, and if you're watching this, uh, we want to hear your answers too. Write them in the comments because obviously we already know. Actually, who knows if I know what you think about this question? Well, yeah, I'd be interested I don't know see. if I know what I think about it. <laughs> so, what do you think? Because if it's, we're talking about the, all, you know, the true aspects of life, then it should be that everyone has their own perspective into that and it's valuable to pick that stuff up. So, getting into our subject here, the icebreaker question is this. What are important qualities for a loving relationship? Mm. And, you know, I, elephant in the room is that we're thinking of it in the context of Swedenborg stuff. So I don't know if that, does that affect, you know, your answer on something like that or not? So I'd, I'd love to hear, give me some advice. Yeah, well, I really think his Swedenborg's thoughts on this have gotten under my skin in a sense because right. the way he presents it, uh, what makes for a good loving relationship is the same stuff that makes you a good person. Uh, people trying to become angels or be yeah. in heaven or whatever, same kind of thing of like getting the love of self and self-centeredness. Yeah. Uh, just subordinate it, you'd never get rid of it, but just trying to dial that back a little bit, make a little room in your heart for, yeah. for someone else. And um, so some self-monitoring, you know what I mean? <laughs> and giving the other person the benefit of the doubt, praying for the other person, yeah. especially when they're annoying, which and they, they hardly ever are, never. But, you know. You know. Yeah, yeah. So it's just so funny that <laughs> like you can, and I think that there's definitely use in all of the you know pop literature on this kind of thing. It's important to it's true. let the other person have their interests and support them and split things or be willing to go beyond fifty-fifty. Mm. We once did a show uh, on this topic on this channel where we interviewed this couple who they both said like, okay, I want to give a hundred percent regardless of whether I feel like I'm getting back on here, but that's a secret. All that stuff is useful, but yeah, if, if I'm not, if, all, if really in this relationship, I really just am in love with myself, like you're saying, and I'm not following those guidelines, it's only gonna ever get me to, okay, we've just, just gotten the neutral ground. You know, I'm that, unless I'm playing the exact same game, like you're saying, of, okay, well, how do I re, you know, realize, okay, God is the one that, that's actually doing good things, I have to, tamp down my sense of being so awesome. That's the only way that you really get into love, because otherwise you're just looking for like your partner to uh, give you the stuff you want or make your life easier or upgrade your social status, yeah. you know? And, but right. then, and fulfill some kind of dream or fantasy or something that you have about. 
and and then like yourself in your life. Yeah, yeah, like uh, yeah, arm candy, and and but on the other hand, realizing the influence of hell on myself, and then giving the benefit of doubt for them. Yeah, and hell cares about this stuff. I mean, I definitely feel hell kind of act like the the battle is active around these kind of issues, yeah. and I think ultimately. The uh, the and you see this sometimes in stories in the uh, on the news or something, of where one person wants to so dominate the other that they really are like a slave, like literally yeah. chained in the basement or something like that. Yeah, that's where you don't want to particularly go, you know. And and yeah. and I think we all have, you know, I certainly have the tendency in myself of just like, hey, let's let's keep that out of the, you know, yeah. uh, the committee that makes the decisions about what we're going to do. Because you, so you have, everyone's got this miniature, like, oh, and like at work, uh, in, in friends, in marriage, everywhere, like, I want what I want, and I want to have it, and, and oh, this, I don't want to do work, and, uh, you know, all this right. stuff. I want but, other people to serve me, and, yeah. But right. to notice, like, okay, notice when that's me, like, when am, when am I being unreasonable and, and childish about this kind of stuff, but also, like, if my partner does that, to say, well, you know that not necessarily pin that on them because right. I you know I, I, I think of myself it's like the fundamental attribution there okay I wasn't myself here and if Swedenborg is right then hell got mm. got the best of me that doesn't because they did something that that I perceive as not that great doesn't mean that that's them at their core it's like okay hell got and that's the same principle that you give to people who somebody races by you on the road and you're mad okay that's true. maybe they're going to the hospital or maybe they will repent later so you've got to use those exact same principles or else, or else you're gonna, you can get somewhere, but you're never gonna really escape all the trappings that ruin what can be this really cool, hey, we're gonna live together and try to do life well and be good uh, friends to people in society and all the rest, you know? When I forget that a relationship is between two multi-leveled beings, right. then stuff gets baffling. Like, yeah. wait, I thought, you know, you yeah. liked me a minute ago or something like that. Well, no, they're, they're, they're multi-layered. I'm multi-layered. Yeah. Stuff can go in the wrong ear, you know, all yeah, that. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, so, yeah, let's, yeah. so here we are, you know, obviously chatting about this stuff from a Swedenborgian perspective, but why and how does this tie into Swedenborg's cosmology? Why and why did he feel like yeah. he needed to wade into this, like, relationship, right. self-help Red area? area, yeah. yeah. And, What's he doing? Okay, so we'll, f we'll find out exactly what he's doing uh, as we move into our series or our section uh, on in the books. Yeah, book club. I always feel like That's I have right. to apologize for the book club section because <laughs> it's not the coolest thing in the world of all the clubs that you can be. No, but to people who like that sort of thing, that's very cool. I'm, well, like, I'm long ago been done with the trying to be cool thing. I love the idea of a book club. <laughs> right, like we're right. going to study some ideas, think through this, and especially books that are talking about how to break free of oh, everything yeah. that gets you down. Amazing. It's awesome. It's awesome. So here we are in the book club. Don't click away. What we're doing is moving <laughs> through everything that Swedenborg talked about in the way that he gave us the information. Because he yeah. saw the big picture and he thought, I'm going to organize it in this way, so we'll give it, but it's not really about the book, it's about the ideas in it. This is a way to organize it and learn more about, oh, I don't need to convince you all of it, you're already this far in the video, you're going to stay. So let's, uh, let's talk about this, and, and what exactly are we talking about today? So we're talking about marriage love. Uh, this is a work that Swedenborg did, and we'll look at the timeline a little bit about yeah. where that fits in. 
Uh, if you can read that tiny writing on there, that actually says conjugal love. We'll get into the different titles in a second, too. There's so much to the, the long title in English is The Delights of Wisdom Concerning Marriage Love, followed by, because he's got another section at the back of the book, The Pleasures <laughs> the of Insanity Concerning Promiscuous Desire. And we're going to dig into that a little more. And too. when we were researching the show, Chelsea made the great point that that's sort of what he does with heaven and hell. Heaven and its wonders, and then hell. And, and then, then hell. The same kind of And thing. it's a similar kind of ratio of like 90% good, and then you get 10% of the back, back of the book about the problems. Yeah. So what, so but, but, Solve this for me. Why are you calling it marriage love? And here it's called, I can't even read that. What is yeah, that? I would say of all Swedenborg's published theological works, this one has had the most titles. Ding, ding. Uh, uh, the Latin word that he uses is conjugialis, and it's a somewhat uh, unusual Latin word. And so some people have thought, oh, well, he wants us to use something unique because he's talking about love in a different way. Yeah. So we'll just take that right into English and call it conjugal. Yes. Uh, and, uh, but I, other people have said married love, love in marriage, marriage love, yeah. you know, and they, the conjugal just means of or pertaining to marriage. It does. Okay. It's close to the English word conjugal, like a conjugal visit or something. But, but conjugal uh, means in the Latin of or pertaining to a spouse, and conjugal means of or pertaining to the marriage relationship, like the two people. So. Because we've, on this very channel, had times when we were talking about conjugal love, and we have people in the, the uh, comments saying it's pronounced con conjugal. They think that we're just mispronouncing, we're, we're putting the wrong yeah, emphasis. Yeah, yeah, right. But it's actually this, yeah, this, this funny Latin word that he uses. Okay, so we've gone on and on about the framing. What's in the book? What's it talking about? Let's play a little game we call What's the Headline? Bird. So, <laughs> if you had to summarize, if somebody that said... That was an impressive sound effect. Well, I just thought we didn't have one loaded up. <laughs> yeah. Mm, we can edit uh -huh. that out later. Um, so, what, what's, the head, what's this book about? I would say the spiritual underpinnings of earthly relationships, you know, is kind of... Yeah. Because what's cool about the book, you can, as you say, there's lots of self-help books that'll tell you about relationships that are full of wonderful information. Right. But what he's talking about is, hey, where's heaven in this? And what what are relationships like on the other side? Yeah. And what's God doing? And why is this important? So the spiritual underpinnings. And a, a headline you could have is, uh, marriage relationships can continue after death. Ah, that's a good one. Because that wasn't a given, still is not, but in Swedenborg's day particularly, now we sort of have this idea of soulmates and you meet your loved ones on the other side. But back then there was a right. big block of people that thought because Jesus said they're n neither married nor given in marriage, that, he, that that was a literal proclamation rather than correspondence. Yeah, so, so the actual marriage ceremony, the wedding ceremony would say, till death do us part. In other words, till death separates us yeah. because you're not going to be together. Like yeah. there's not even gender in the other world or right. what was the common view yeah. with which Swedenborg disagrees. So um, that's a headline. Another headline is how the cosmic nature of God and everything manifests between two people, right? Because it, right. it is more than just relationship help. It's this whole metaphysics kind of thing. 
Yeah. So that's yeah. there's a couple of those are really sure. like succinct headlines. Yeah, yeah, they're good. Uh, so what's in it? If we were to Small dive, type. if we were to dive into this book, well, I mean, you think look at the the length of the actual title in this <laughs> right. book. What's in it? Let's take a look at the table of contents where you'll see these words intersect. There's that big title. Here's and a couple you see of chapters. And usual word there. Yes. So and just looking at a couple of these, you can see the scope of it. On the origin of conjugal love from the marriage of good and truth. So there we start, philosophical, 10,000 foot view, the good and truth is married in everything, and somehow that can Whoa. lead to marriage And he love. says that's sort of like the substance and form of the universe or yeah. something, so that's where this com this is just a manifestation of a much larger thing. And then we move down to the marriage of the Lord and the church and its mm. correspondence, that we're not even talking about two people right now, we're talking about God connecting to the church, which is this thing inside people, that, that you're going sort of down. But then, And, and yeah. Paul gets into that in the epistles right. of the relationship of the, the Lord and the, the bride, the book of Revelation, other stuff like that. Then you have the chaste and the unchaste. So this is where we start to get into like what's acceptable behavior. Right. And he does a very interesting repurposing of that word because to him, generally when people talk about chastity, they're talking about no sex. Yes. He's talking about right. having a clean sexual relationship right. or attitude or something like that. Like he. There's there's lots of sex, but it's how you're approaching it or something That's like that. That's right. You know? That's right. <laughs> Headline: There's lots of sex. Yes. On then we got in the conjunct. He was known for that. Conjunct. Well, actually, I mean, nowadays, uh, you know, you could say, oh, Swedenborg has got these old school views, but at the time it was very like, what oh, you're allowing for cutting edge. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah seriously. On, on the conjunction of souls and minds by marriage, changes of state of life by marriage with men and women. So that it actually changes you, you know, like you yeah. become a somewhat different person when you enter into this and, state. And very you know. like down to very detailed, not, we're not talking about, um, angels or how divine love and wisdom work. This is the kind of stuff you can like, I'm going to make very direct assertions, which led to, I think, uh, you know, some of the controversy that I think we'll, we'll address in our, in our next section that we're going to start right now, which is called why and when. So mm. why, you know, Swedenborg was, was in <clears throat> his wheelhouse talking about divine providence, about heaven and hell. He's explaining the Bible, which he feels very adept at. Why take this deviation, and I, mm. I shouldn't say deviation because he brings up marriage in heaven, in heaven and hell, and a lot of other books, but why go and just really dig into it like he is and when? So hit me yeah, with the timeline. Particularly in Secrets of Heaven, you have some material about it, Yeah, and then in heaven and hell, he's got a chapter right in the middle of the book, which is interesting to me, um, but in a lot of his other books, he 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 doesn't get into it. It yeah. seems like you know, and so it's it's. Re I don't. I'm not sure if you were sort of following him in real time yeah. back in the 18th century that you think I bet his next book is going to be about sort, marriage. Sort of you like know, um, you wouldn't see that coming. Yeah. Like Swedenborg think. did a country album. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let's take a look at our timeline. Right. Yeah. Here you go. So we're all the way up in 1768. Like he dies in 1772. There. So we're getting close to the end. So yeah. it's amazing that he was. 80 years old when he wrote and published this book. It's just kind of striking, you know, yeah. interesting. So some life experience and everything, but he himself had not been married, which is another weird oh, thing. Oh, yeah. He was here's yeah. an 80-year-old bachelor writing a book on, yes. you know, 
on marriage. It's, right. it's you know, just a, a little outside the wheelhouse. I, I and think. important because some people, when you start to see the importance that Swedenborg places on marriage, or not the importance, but the, the place he gives it in the pantheon yeah. of, of existential stuff, it's so, he, he talks it up so much that some people's reaction to the book like this is, well, I'm, I'm not married or I don't have a good marriage, so am I outside some kind of spiritual club? But, right. but Swedenborg, who's obviously plugged in enough that we're making this show in his honor a million years later, um, or at least in honor of the concepts, he wasn't doing it. He wasn't married. You know? So you don't have to be, to be you, you That's don't right. install your life out. Yeah, and he really does see it like, and, and as I say, his thoughts sort of get under my, you know, they get into my brain. Uh, after a while, that that the whole there's something about hell and the whole like sexual madness yeah. where the human race kind of wants to go in its yeah. worst you know states or something, and there's something heavenly about when it's in in order and done yeah. you know done okay or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. It's, so, it's just there's something to that. Well, all right, so let's talk a little bit about the the controversy that's okay. been around. I feel like with oh my with this book. In in the we broadcast out of the United States, I feel like everything in there is controversial right now. Yes, yeah, and and even has become more controversial in the last ten or twenty years, yeah. even than it was before, and it already was. So you go back to the 18th century; it's hard for us to put ourselves back there. Yes, because there was such a presumption of mom and dad, and you know what yeah. I mean, the nuclear family, and. Right. Well, and, and even um, even like marriage often was just obviously a social contract for status, or even him saying that love relationships continue at that time was controversial. Something impressive is the book has been controversial forever. It has. You know, it's gone and, back and it's then, been yeah. read in entirely different ways. Like there was a feminist group in in 19th century Sweden that said this book is really important because it says that male and female are equal. Yeah. And, and there's been other people who said, no, the whole feminist thing is wrong. Look yeah. at this book. Yes. It says this, that, and the other thing. You know. I've so. I've had um, Sweden. There are some Swedenborgians, and I mean like people who are who are in Swedenborgian churches who who think that this book is kind of the core of everything. This is, this is really the holy it. of holies, and like. Right. And you protecting that is the this most is important the center thing. Of it. And then I've that's had, right. And everything's around the outside. That's and, right. Yeah. And I've had other Swedenborgian ministers and other churches say this is one of only two books that we don't present as like the theology of our church. There's a lot of people who have tr trouble with it. A yeah. lot of female Swedenborgians have have trouble with the book. And, uh, yeah. So so let's let's like okay enough. There's the controversy. We'll we'll show you and, some and, of what's and, in it. Well, and and I just want to add that. Even today, like even the existence of two genders is, is you know, debated, a, a su yeah. subject of debate. Right. Uh, what is the definition of marriage? Yeah. Uh, you know, what's the nature of this yeah. whole thing? You know, yeah. it, it's it's so different now yeah. that almost everything he says is bound to offend somebody. Yeah. So we, we say all that to say we hope that you're, you're offended in some way by the time this is over. <laughs> let's go. We're not experts on all this stuff. We're yeah. experts in telling you what Swedenborg says. That's so right. let's do that. And, and let's this is be the first time we really crack into the book. Let's do our little game that we call first and last. Ah, how do you open okay. a work like this and how do you close it? This is how it's Sweden not where it. you would think. It's a very interesting beginning. Uh, he writes the, the, the first chapter heading is the joys of heaven and a wedding there. Uh -huh. So we start in the spiritual world, not right, here. Right. 
And the first opening paragraph is, I anticipate that many who read the following descriptions and the accounts at the ends of the succeeding chapters will believe they're figments of my imagination. He's got sort of a disclaimer about the spiritual experiences he writes about in here. Yes. And that I know you're going to think I made this stuff up. Yes. So he feels compelled to say, I swear in truth, however, that they're not inventions, but actual occurrences to which I was witness, nor were they witnessed in any condition of unconsciousness, but in a state of full wakefulness. This wasn't some strange, you know, hallucinatory dream or something. For it's pleased the Lord to manifest himself to me and send me to teach the doctrines that will be the teachings of the new church, the church meant by the new Jerusalem in the book of Revelation. To this end, he's opened the inner faculties of my mind and spirit. As a result, it's been made possible for me to be in the spiritual world with angels, at the same time in the natural world with people, and this now for 25 years. So he leads with spiritual experience. Yeah. And then the story that he tells you, and it takes like 35 pages or something to yeah. tell this opening story. He never does that in any other book yeah. that I can think of. And the story he tells you is all about people who have the wrong idea about heaven. And doesn't yes. say anything about marriage for a long time. Yeah. Eventually you get the wedding at the end. Yeah. But a lot of it is about people who are mistaken yes. about what they think heaven is. It's such an interesting way to start. And it's a little counterintuitive. They think heaven is perpetual worship yeah, or perpetual right. feasting or perpetual conversation and they are each let, or just getting in the door just getting know, in the door yeah, and right. they're each the, okay the angels say you, you want to try that try it for a few days and tell me how you feel about it it's a very interesting way to start and then yeah to the end he ends this the the book with more spiritual experiences right but i wanted to to get to the ending sort of before of the, the main text the last number yeah, yeah, before right. that because Another reaction people could potentially have to this is like, oh great, just what we need, religion wading into uh, relationships and sex. Your personal getting yeah. into the bedroom and yeah. yeah right. Because there's been so much, there's this hand in hand, people are like, well, religion has been so judgmental uh, that people will use religion to, ha to be here and tell you how you should live your life. Yeah, that's right. So this and is- And the, the police are sort of watching what you, you know, yeah. quote unquote. You know. So this is a fascinating way that he ends this book about how you're supposed to do that kind of stuff. Um, this being the case, oh, and he begins this last two paragraphs with talking about how marriage love is not, can be in one person in a couple and not necessarily in the other. It's more Whoa, subtle than you might freaky. think. It's not how good's your chemistry, it's something else. This being the case- It's something it's, internal. It's a really an inside job. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Right. This, this mm. being the case, it is possible for conjugal love to exist in one partner and not the same time in the other. It is possible as well for that love to lie so deeply hidden that the person himself has no awareness of it. <laughs> That's crazy, wow. And it may also be, and I guess this is a good time to mention, the, some of these translations we're using have uh, male pronouns. The, oh, true. The NCE will not have that when it comes out. That's it's, right. It's Latin. At least not where, if Swedenborg's gender inclusive in his Latin, which he often is, sure. then we'll be gender inclusive. It's not that you won't yes. have any male pronouns, but you'll know that it's a male in the, in the underlying Latin. Right, right, just, just since we're offending everybody. That's right. Um, consequent, uh, oh, the reason is that conju uh, has no awareness of it, and it may be also implanted during the course of one's life. So marriage love during the course, not necessarily because you, you got may, married. Like you may start yeah. out badly in the first chapter, yeah. but you may get there by the end of the book. The reason is that conjugal love and its progress accompanies religion. 
And because religion is the marriage of the Lord and the church, religion is what initiates and infuses that love. Consequently, conjugal love is imputed to a person after death in accordance with his spiritual, rational life. Moreover, for one to whom that love is imputed, a marriage is, after his passing, provided in heaven, whatever the character of any marriage he may have had in the world. Okay. And all these could be he or she, because I'm sure he's not being gendered in here. From this now proceeds the following conclusion, the final conclusion of this book. That one ought not to take the appearances in marriages or the appearances in acts of licentiousness and infer from them that someone does or does not have conjugal love. Oh, so you would think that, oh, I can judge because so-and-so is acting out, yeah. whereas that person is an upstanding citizen, you know, or something. The, you don't know. He's saying even acts of know. licentiousness, so stuff that would be outside of what he would describe as the right kind of behavior, even if you see someone's like, hey, they're doing that, they shouldn't be doing that, you don't know. You don't and know. And he ends with this quote from Matthew 7, 1, therefore judge not that you be not condemned. Crazy, right? Wow. Let, all right. Really interesting. We, let's get into it. Let's see what mm. kind of what can we pull out of this to enhance our life. What what does he say about all this? We're going now for three bites. So obviously, there's so much in each of these books that we can't touch on all. But we tried to pick some good samples here of the kind of things that he discusses, and we want to start which is, you know, saying, as we said before, back in the day when he was writing, marriage could just be a property, status, convenience thing. It was a way to tie royal families together, especially in the circles Swedenborg was running in. So Swedenborg saying that there's more, we take it for granted, you can marry for love now. That wasn't the case. No, that, yeah, right. This is from Marriage Love 38. And, And an earthly person desires and longs merely for superficial connections and the physical pleasures that go with them. But the spiritual person desires and longs for a deeper connection and the spiritual well-being that goes with it. Such an interesting idea that you could get that out of a relationship, like a relationship could play a role in it. Right, and realizes that this can happen only with one wife with whom he can be perpetually more and more conjoined, joined into one person. It might be worth saying at this point too that Swedenborg's writing in Latin Yes. And women were not, they didn't go to college, they were not taught Latin. He could presume a male readership for this sure. book originally because they were the only people, you know, there was a few exceptions, but yeah. like 99 point something percent of his audience would be male. So what, what's he getting at? And, and you, so there's obviously, he's saying one wife is better than polygamy, but also probably one wife is better than a mistress. The, the, the joining with one person right. is what creates this, this spiritual connection. A, a committed relationship. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. right. Fidelity. The more closely they are joined, the more he notices his well-being is increasing in the same degree. Mm. And this continues to eternity. Wow, so the relationship is possible for the relationship to get better forever and it's not just till death do us part. Bam. The earthly person, no offense, however, does not think this way. (laughs) And that is why we now specify that it is marriage love that continues for people who go to heaven, namely those who have become spiritually minded on earth. This gets a little bit back to our icebreaker of how do you have a good relationship? You've got to have this spiritual attitude towards life uh, to really be going after the right things. Yes, to be in sort of a heavenly relationship to the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, so there, very interesting. Similarly, here's another quote that has to do with the fact that the um, what's the opposite? Yeah. He, he gets he gets into these definitions and stuff. Right. And he uses this term promiscuous desire, 
which is sort of a blanket term for the worst thing he's talking about, but okay. he has to define it pretty carefully. Right. And he says a lot of things that it's not. It's okay. really about an inner attitude. So this is Marriage Love 423 and 424. I need first to make clear what promiscuous desire in this chapter means. So he's going to define his terms. Okay, okay. It does not mean the desire of fornication that precedes marriage or that happens after one's partner has died. He defines fornication, uh, you know, a sort of biblical, old-fashioned word, <laughs> the, um, as uh, sex, before marriage. sex between people where there's no marriage involved. You know, yes. It's like it's two single people getting right. together. Uh, whether it's after, you know, you've been widowed or, you're, or whatever. Right. It doesn't, so it doesn't mean, he's not talking about that. Okay. He's, you know, he's, he's talking about this red-hot area and yes. that's not it. Sure. Okay, what else isn't it? It does not mean the milder forms of adultery. Wow. You wouldn't even throw milder forms. So you can see he's got degrees of there's milder yeah. kinds of adultery and then there's worse kinds that yeah. he talks about. And when he's talking about the worst kinds, sometimes yeah. he's getting into like incest and okay. rape and things like that. So he's saying th this stuff may be not necessarily great, but it's not the marriage love killer like some of this other yes, stuff. Yes, right, yeah. right. He's really trying to define what is that actual opposite of right. marriage love. Or even the more serious forms that are followed by a return to one's senses, or in other you know, traditional translations, a, a repentance, you know, that's what, yeah. that's, that's what that means, is you, uh, whoa, that was stupid. So you're drunk at a party and you do something stupid, you know. Doesn't well, mean. Well, like, that's not the opposite. That's not destructive, necessarily, yeah. as destructive. Like, there are degrees. Sure. He's very nuanced about the whole thing, actually. Right. Since the latter do not end up being opposed to marriage love, like if you, wait a minute, I've been an idiot. Sure. You know, then you're not like, oh, I'm against marriage in all its yeah. forms. You know, it's a problem, oh, but it's not going to... And the former are not opposed. Yeah. Rather, the kind of promiscuous desire that is in opposition to marriage love, in this case, means a desire to commit adultery when we do not regard it as a sin, as evil, or as shamefully irrational, but regard it as acceptable and excusable. So he sees an interesting difference between like making a mistake yeah. and going in there boldly and yeah. just like, no, this, this like, is right. This I don't is, care no who, problem who I hurt by this. That's I don't right. care the impact. Uh, this it's actually is kind fun. of fun if yeah. it's, you know, sort of okay, blows so the world up or something. that's the opposite. This kind of promiscuous desire not only equates itself with marriage love, so it says, oh no, I am, this is the right way to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it even diminishes that love, destroys it, and ultimately renders it nauseating. Like you can be in such a state that marriage comes up and you, Swedenborg talks about evil yeah. spirits who get sick at the mere mention of it. Like okay. they, they, they hate the whole, oh, don't talk to me about it. No By promiscuous desire, I mean a desire to commit adultery that is destructive of marriage love. You know, like there's yeah. some forces that actually have it in. I love that scene in The Incredibles where the, <laughs> where the kid says, the bad guys want to hurt mom and dad's marriage or something like that. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, you know, That's Incredibles 1, right? Yeah, yeah okay. Incredibles 1. Yeah. Right. I haven't seen 2. Uh, yeah. Okay, and then, it's good. so we're starting to get some of the sense of the scope and, and how it ties in, but what's it all for? Like, why is he so willing to take on this challenge of going into the ins and outs, which and are often wading into a this minefield? Oh. Well, yeah. it's because he felt like the end result could be so awesome that it's worth trying to sort the stuff out. So this is from 180. 
the states of mind characteristic of marriage love, when it's gotten right and it keeps going into heaven, all this stuff, are innocence, peace, serenity, a most profound friendship, absolute trust, and the mutual desire in soul and heart to do everything good for the other person. Wow, that's, that's a pretty nice that's list there. Yeah, that's not bad. All these lead to bliss, happiness, gladness, and pleasure. Yeah, that's right. Just, just bliss and pleasure. And yeah. the eternal enjoyment of these leads to heavenly happiness. Heavenly happiness. I don't think many people think, oh, there's heavenly happiness in there. Right, right. Yeah. The reason all these states of mind occur in, and therefore as a result of marriage love, is that their source is the marriage of goodness and truth. And this marriage comes from the Lord. Sort of marriage in air quotes, yeah. Exactly. The, the, the metaphysical joining of goodness and truth that happens inside a person, that happens Lord to the church, somehow this can directly stream into this relationship where there's plenty of marriages you can look around and say, that's, uh, that's not good. I, I, you know, I wouldn't. Yeah. But a one where there's all those qualities we're talking about before, mutual desire, the mind and heart, to do the other one every good, yeah. that can be a conduit for whatever this thing yeah. is he's talking about. It is the nature of love to want to share its joy with another whom it loves deeply. That's true. Indeed, it? to bring joy to that individual and in so doing actually secure its own joy. Mm, that's nice. How much more infinitely is this true then? of the divine love the Lord has for us, mm. whom he has created as vessels capable of receiving the love and wisdom that radiate from him. I know elsewhere wow. in his writings, Swedenborg says, marriage love is cool because it's love getting to do its full expression. Like with everybody that you meet, you yeah. want to be able to, how can I make your life better? When you get into the heavenly mindset, how right. can I make your life better? How can I do something for you? But you have to stop short, short of, let's share our whole lives together yeah. and, and do right. good to each other forever because people, hey, leave, take it easy. Like, you once, can't do once that. they're through the gate and on yeah. the plane, it's over. Yeah, that's right. So, so <laughs> here he's saying that, but in, in a marriage, in a committed relationship, you get to do that. You get to say, I'm going to give everything I have to you. And that this is in its own way, it's a little mirror of what God is trying to right. do with each one of us. That's a long, a, yeah. long game. Yeah, okay, long game. so there, there's mm. a couple of uh, instances of the kind of stuff that, that inspired Swedenborg and he felt like it was important. So that said, you've got some cool, inspiring stuff in there. We also talked about all the controversy and things. Why, why keep publishing this? I know you guys are working on, so that's our next game. Why, why uh, keep, how can it help? I was like, what's, what's the name of our next game? How can it help? So I know you guys are working on a modern, uh, another translation. What, what do you see, that, where does this book fit into Swedenborg's overall corpus? Is that, is that a corpus? Yes, that's a good, um, good word. Corpus Theologica. And, and, <laughs> and what can it do for people, even despite the fact that it, it, it may rub some people the right way and other people, oh, what's this? So. I mean, I guess I would say that because it ties out to his whole view of the universe and yeah. what God is doing and spirituality and rebirth and all that kind of stuff, um, it seems to be a particular concrete instance of that. And he talks about the fact that in ancient times on this planet, there were these amazing, very sweet, beautiful marriages that went on before everybody sort of went crazy and that we can get back there. And so I yeah. think part of what he was doing with the book was like, hey, here's, here's a, something of a roadmap, just to say like, there's something really cool that exists. Yeah. And you may be offended by what I say, this sort of has the smell of the 18th century on it about this or that, the other thing, but I'm still just telling you, yeah. this, there's something, there, yeah. there, there's something 
something there that we can we can pursue. Yeah. And so I think it's worthwhile. And some people, I gotta say, some people, as you say, who encounter this teaching, just like that's where they go. Their yeah. soul is just led right. Like this is it. This really changed my life. To to yeah. have this perspective on what's going on in a relationship. It does yeah. kind of get under your skin in a good well, way. Well, yeah, we've had comments on this channel where people say that's the book that, that got me hooked on it. Yeah. But also, you could read this entire book. Well, yeah, as I said, you're not in a marriage relationship. Yeah. You can u- read this as spiritual growth. We had a, we had yeah. this awesome, remember there was a, there was a gentleman named Christen, Christian Swenson who did a little audience story for us, and he was talking about how a number in this book really helped him with something he'd been grappling oh, that's right. with a, having had uh, Asperger's. And, and so it's, it's something you can get all kinds of material out of. And if you're interested in Swedenborg's view of the whole world, this is a piece you got to have because it, it's not an isolated thing. It connects to it everything. It does connect to everything. That's right. All right, let's see what's been on your mind. What uh, can we possibly confuse for you more? This is, uh, this is what you guys have been, <laughs> been sending in to us. As always, we very much appreciate sure. the comments and the questions and just Our that, expertise. that you would care that, that, uh, about the Swedenborg stuff. In the first place, it's just more than we could hope for. So let's see what you got for us today. Goodwill asks, how can we overcome self-ego and pride? Mm. And I would say this ties in today because uh, the, the, we talked before about what's the main enemy of marriage love. But That's in right. another place he defines the hellish marriage which is the opposite of the heavenly marriage right. and that is as it filters down into two people is control so if one partner is controlling right. the other partner mm. and, and not you know dominating not letting that partner thrive and be their own person then that completely kills the potential for any marriage love between them so the, the same question of how do you overcome self-ego in the regular world applies then to relationships and everywhere in between so what do we do to get over this thing that that blocks us from all the heavenly happiness that comes when it's gone I would say first of all I think it's a very important question yeah and we probably don't have time to do a total justice but we never I do. think the first thing is <laughs> Uh, there's there's nothing that Swedenborg says that we couldn't complicate further with, with, <laughs> with a good answer. But the um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is to sort of load some truth into our heads. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because it, the heart may be all involved in its self-centered world. You know that that dark part of our heart. Yeah. Uh, but the mind can sort of get a little daylight. Yeah. You know, and so right. you load in some truth, you start to think from a different perspective, and then just doing fr- from those principles, from whatever sort of source you get them, but that, that kind of truth, especially spiritual truth, can help you start to just observe yourself. It's great to do some repentance on pride. It's not fun, yeah. but you look at the ways in which you're arrogant or, or you know, domineering or whatever. Are you talking to me? Uh, uh, not you personally, <laughs> just individually. But the, um, <laughs> yep. But the, um, and and it, I, to me, it's kind of a lifelong practice where you just realize, oh, the thing I'm about to say is going to sound, or something. You know yeah, what I mean? Like you yeah. bite your tongue and. It's basic kind of repentance practice. And an important point to add is that um, it's not that you're going to extinguish that. It's an important part yeah. that tells you, hey, someone's, someone's uh, 
you know, running roughshod over you right now, or something, you know, you're like your reputation is on the line, or, you yeah. know, it gives you important information. It's just, if it's running the show, then you turn into sort of a narcissist or a you know obnoxious yeah. person or something, but uh, but it's useful. So there's a place for it. Yeah, it's just getting it into the right place. That's great. I, f I forgot about that. Even though it's one of the main points. But <laughs> what what we could say is you don't have to get rid of it. You don't have to get rid of it. It just needs to be less important than two things to you: love of God, which yep. in Swedenborg's parlance means love of what is good. And then That's right. love of what is true and fair, and then love of yourself. So it's all right to have boundaries and, and think you're okay and cool and do things take that you want to do, take care of yourself. Sure. But what the problem is when I, the most, like I would rather this whole place burns to the ground around me as long as I come out looking good. I will take your means from you because I want them that is the problem. Or and That's where you get and, in the bad areas. Yes. Yeah, that's right. So it's there. Okay, and, and in, in line with that, what I was going to say is negotiate with your, your self-ego a little bit because mm. I find that if I'm just trying to jump off this cliff of before spirituality, I was living in this world where it is ego. It is me against other people. It is trying to get what I want most for myself. And just to say, well, I'm just not going to care at all about anything that happens to me. That's very tough because you it's <laughs> right. very hard to say why should I be unconcerned with my future welfare? But if I look at what is actually being taught about what it's like to live from love and all that, it's actually better for my own happiness as well. That you see in that quote about a marriage love that you benefit. You benefit. Yeah. And to say by someone else's joy, yeah. you're getting fed by that too. Cuz if you right? just say to your lower self, listen, it's not good to, to try to be better than other people. In the end, the right thing to do, because you'll be making them feel bad, the right thing to do is give up something and let them have it. That, yeah. that, that There's going to be a part of that which is just, oh, but, but what about my own happiness? But to say to yourself, did you know that if you do good, uh, rearrange your mind spiritually, you are going to now no longer be subject to the fears that have bothered you your whole life. You're no longer going to be a slave to this routine that drags you up and down and makes you miserable. You are going to be much happier doing this. Sometimes that's the motivation. It's not always, but at times, negotiating with yourself and realizing this is going to end up even better for you to give this up. That's an excellent point. There's been times in my life where I've sort of treated myself like dirt and I'm thinking well this is good I'm, I'm doing yeah. what I'm supposed to be doing and no that that's not it either yeah. the what really when it's working ideally everybody benefits right. the, the, you know the the Lord really cares about the lower self yeah like that that be happy too and yeah. it's not happy for it to be dominant and running your life because yeah. actually your relationships break down and chaos happens everywhere but yeah. uh, and you think you're on top but really what what that running your life is, is hell running your life. It's, yeah. it's this stuff. You're a slave to. Yeah. Coming in and saying, you have to do this, you have to keep on this. It, it's not really you running your life. It just seems like it is, but it's not a happy life. So, great question. All right, yeah, let's, love it. let's get to the next one. Thank you so much. Matt Klein asks, does Swedenborg ever discuss a way to evaluate how we are doing on our spiritual journey in receiving divine mm. love and wisdom? A divine grade card. Yes, right, right, right. So yeah, like a midterm. He does occasionally 
I can't remember the exact you know passage number or something like yeah. that. But he does have something where he says, if you you remember this riff, it's something like if two people are vying for a job and you actually realize the other person would be better in the position, they're better qualified than you are. Yes. Then your heart's in a good place. You know, it's not just sort of like, I've got to win the battle yeah. of life or something. Right. Or if something happens to somebody, somebody gets hurt and you feel compassion about that. Yeah. You're, you know, there are certain sort of signs. He says it can be very difficult to tell. Yeah. You know, because people who are in really good shape often feel that they're not. And people who are not in good shape think they're yeah. wonderful and they're just acing life yeah. or something. And so we can get really turned around in our opinion. But he does give some kind of benchmarks. And another one relates to what you think about where your mind goes when you're alone. Like you're not, it's not you're putting on a show for everybody or something yeah. like that. Um, it's just like you're by yourself. It's yeah. the middle of the night. You wake up and like, where does your thinking go? What, yeah. what, what are you thinking about? What kind of thoughts are you having? It's very easy for us to be good natured right now and like <laughs> positive <laughs> and upbeat because yeah, we're, we're on camera. This. Like we know everybody's watching us. <laughs> yeah, right. But as soon as this turns off and I'm like, Stuart, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you? That that is not that that's everything, but but it's a good test. Um, it's a good test, yeah. And and it's just don't don't despair if you're not getting a good signal that way. It's just there's still time on the clock. You know, yeah. we we can we can keep trying to turn things around and pray for help and stuff like that. Yeah, way. because there is um, there is this weird dichotomy where, on the one hand, it's very tangible. You can know how you're doing. There's very clear steps Swedenborg gives. But on the other hand, a lot of stuff does lie hidden in the spirit. A lot of heavenly didn't, joy. Didn't he say that in one of the things I you read, right? Just yeah. going to say that, yeah, right. that marriage love, do you even have it? You may not know. You may not even know yourself if you have it. So unfortunately, you could be doing very well and not know it. Sometimes actually yeah. states of uh, mental and emotional upheaval are signs you're doing well because there are temptations or spiritual right. crises. Even having a particularly negative yeah. view of yourself because yeah. you're up here and you yeah. can see your lower self and you think, wow, I'm really awful. Look at yeah. all this awful stuff in myself. That's actually good. Yeah, so it, it's very tricky, but there are certain sort of benchmarks, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> so report card. I like that idea. Um, like, how are you, how are you yeah. doing with love and wisdom? So Matt, you're welcome for nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I hope we gave you something in there that's it just useful. confused yeah. everything. Okay, yeah. let's do one more. Well done. W one more quickie. Go to Immortal Blue asks, what separates the hells from each other? What prevents the devils in the most evil hell from crossing into the less evil hell Ooh. and attacking all the Satans? Yeah. Hey, that's somebody who, d who knows their Swedenborg stuff because devils and Satans is that's devils really being the emotional wow. corruption, Satans being the intellectual mm. corruption. And if you're out there in hell, how is their order? How is does God really care about, you know, because just because you may love some kind of evil that's not that bad, does that mean you forfeit all your, your protection and is that fair? And is it, So what goes on there? It's very interesting that uh, something related that Swedenborg says is that the Lord takes great care to prevent the lowest hell from attacking like the middle heaven instead of the highest. Uh -huh. Like he tries to get them the equilibrium, get, yeah. get the right people battling each other. Mm -hmm. It would be like uh, you, you don't have like a Super Bowl uh, team playing a college team or something. Yes. You know, like yep. it's mismatched. So college teams play college teams, NFL teams play NFL teams, you know, yeah. uh, that kind of thing. And so um, uh, 
part of it is the way that love and wisdom or their opposite sort everything out in the spiritual world. So there's kind of membranes around people who love certain things and yeah. and so but but some of it is a kind of divine protection, I think, that he yeah. he really does protect the he protects the 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 lower heavens from encroachment from hell. A lot of what he was doing in what was called the Last Judgment was protecting the weak good people. Yeah. Right. You know, so there's tremendous divine care. That doesn't exactly tell you how, yeah. but, but the Lord cares a lot about. And the, the way I see that in nature is that, like, you have tigers, you have wolverines, you know, ferocious predators, amazing, you know, powerful, enormous creatures, you know, warthogs, and <laughs> what yeah. have you. And then you have little butterflies and little tiny thing and yeah. you would think well don't the tigers just like get rid of all the butterflies but yeah. no the butterflies still exist they have yeah. their role you know yeah. and they continue and all these different kind of things are, are allowed to continue in the in the ecosystem in the balance and the forces that keep that in happening which are the tiger if it wasted all its energy going after butterflies it wouldn't be able to sustain itself those are all very complicated and i think th what would what would do this here prevent the devils in the most evil hell from attacking the less evil hell and, and, and the satan's there the answer is something very complicated but very meticulous that everybody in hell is essentially even though they don't feel like it at all they feel like they're free and out doing things they're essentially on tether and that yeah. angels are very closely involved, God is very closely involved in making yeah. sure that they're not allowed to cause any suffering that won't lead to some kind of good. So the only time That's you'd right. be able to attack, and we're just working on a show about this right now to come out you know, later this year, any, any attack you're allowed to do, the only time you can actually succeed in something like that is if the person you're attacking will actually end up being helped by it because it'll keep them away from some other kind of evil. So there's no just, oh, no one was paying attention. There's no free-for-all, no. Yeah, so... That, that's Very uh, highly regulated environment, yeah. actually. Yeah, just as nature, uh, you know, the right. order in the cosmos and everything. Yeah. Right. So there's there's a couple of, of answers. Thank you so much for those great questions. And why don't we just uh, end up here today by doing a little embarrassing of ourselves? It's time for our elevator pitch. Session. Oh, good. So this is a game where, it, again, we, we're taking these from, from ones you guys have given us previously, but we haven't seen these, we promise you. What we do is try to explain in a minute um, what... Uh, whose a, idea was that? A sweet, it was mine. <laughs> sweet <laughs> <laughs> I thought we like, oh, how do we oh, give okay. the people, you know, something to, to worth their time going yeah, through yeah. this thing. Um, so, okay, what we're going to do is we pretend we both just stepped on an elevator and we have one minute to explain a concept that pops up, not only what it is, but why it matters. Do you want to go yeah, first right. or second? I'll go first, I guess. Okay, so Dr. Jonathan Rose has just stepped into an elevator with me, and I'm ask, gonna ask him a question. We're total strangers. I'm gonna ask him about... Elevator pitch! The very first pitch just happens to be the following. The wrath of God. Hey, uh, will you uh, tell me about the, what's the mm. wrath of God according to Swedenborg? So here's the mm. countdown. And you have 60 seconds. Scripture, the Bible, talks about the wrath of God, and there's many stories about this. And it can be very terrifying to people to read about that because it sounds like God is so angry and everything. And yet when you think about it, if that were really just literally the case, 
wouldn't an almighty God be able to do worse than, like, could, couldn't he just crush people out of existence or something? You know, like, really, like, oh, I'm going to be, do something really angry. I'm, I'm going to make you think about yourself a little bit. You know, <laughs> the, the, the wrath of God doesn't really have as much impact as you think it would, because actually the fact is, uh, Swedenborg says, he, it, he's loving. It would be impossible for him to even frown at us. Uh, that picture of the wrath of God is something necessary for the lower self. It's good to terrify the lower self a little bit, but the higher self eventually realizes, oh, there's nothing but love and mercy there. All right. So what you're saying to me <laughs> is that this is just an appearance that if there was actually the wrath of God, it wouldn't be, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cause the crops to fail this year. It would just be, you're all gone, which is absolutely true. Right. So there's something else there. Yeah, the fact that the world is full of beauty and, yeah. and people doing nice yeah. things and what you know, there's lots of mayhem and madness yeah. going on, absolutely. But but the like, is this really the worst that God could do? If you really you yeah. you had all power and you set your mind to it, is this really the worst you could do? It's like, yeah. well, my foot sometimes hurts in, in, the, this, in the morning. Yeah. The actual experience of the wrath of God, according to Swedenborg, is that it's that's from a, a false perspective where when you live in evil, when you live opposite yes. to God, you bring all kinds of ego type problems and misery into your life. Right. And you think God is doing you this to you. blame God for yeah. it. Yeah, but that's, that's right. the wrath of God. Good. Okay, great. Well, I'm glad we Good. hit this elevator together. Good. The roles are going to be reversed now. I'm going to have something and I'll have a minute to explain to Dr. Jonathan Rose what it is and why it matters in his life. So let's see what mine is. Are we saved by grace? or works. Oh boy, you okay. got the big one. Here we go. All right. Save from what? You know, what, what is it mm. that you're trying to get out of? You know, have you ever felt what it feels like to love and to selflessly love? What are we trying to get out of? Isn't it the maelstrom and the matrix of competitiveness and of hatred and mm. of everything that drags us down? What is being saved from that? Isn't that when you live from love and the freedom that comes from knowing that you're on the same team as me. So is that grace or works? Well, if grace is like God's l unconditional love and pulling us out of things, of course we're not doing that on our own. Of course God is doing yeah. it. But if you never participated, if you never said, oh, you know what, I have this, it feels like it's, uh, I'm alone and I can, do I make this choice to help someone or not? Am I putting up effort to get off the couch and do this? If you never did it, would you ever really be able to live in that love? So God is providing mm. the means, but unless we get out there and get the experience, would it, is that even ever, is that even something, would you even want to be saved without having to put something in? Doesn't it mean that much more when you've put your own feelings mm. and blood, sweat, and tears on the line? Cool. Okay, <laughs> all right. Nice. Good. So I think that's what grace for works means. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> good, good, everybody. Thank you so much for those. Great riding up this elevator with you, Dr. That Jonathan was fun. Rose. I learned a lot. Yeah, so thanks everyone for coming on this journey. Uh, we love talking about this sort of stuff. We do it all the time because we have a, not just this show, but we have News from Heaven. Really? Which is our show on Thursday and Saturday where you'll just see me like Twice a week. going nuts. Yeah, with a pen, uh, yeah. going through these. We, we dipped into some of the books here, but that's where I really go through line by line and what does this yeah, mean for us. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. And uh, like and subscribe. If you don't mind, I know we said in the beginning, it does really matter to us. Hey, would you talk a little bit about Patreon and how this whole thing happens? Well, I'm lit up about Patreon and, and I'm a patron myself. Yeah. Uh, Patreon is a way that you can give just a small amount and you determine the amount and you can split anytime you want to, but, it, but you just monthly 
there's a certain amount that goes into supporting the show. Yeah. So it's kind of a regular contribution. It helps us because we know that that money's coming in. And what we do, all the good stuff we give away for free, but uh, to our patrons who are yeah. often passionate you know, supporters of what yeah. we do, we'll give little fun things, behind the scenes videos, yep. uh, little extra content here and there, or outtakes or, or what have you. Sort of Q&A, personalized Q&A, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's We're a nonprofit. everything's free. You know, we try and to make we, the books free with this free. If, you, if you've got a little bit of extra means, consider supporting us and what we do here so that not just for you, but this, this com kind of conversation can reach everyone. And it means more than you can imagine oh, yeah. for us to know that we've got that support and that there's a reason why we do these crazy shows. That you want, want the ideas to spread. So thanks so much for joining us, everyone, and in trying to get those ideas to spread more. We'll be back at this next week. We'll be doing Swedenborg's book, True Christianity, Ooh. his last book that he published. That's right. And, and with a combative title like that, you know it's going to be good. Thanks, Jonathan Rose. It was really fun hanging out with really you. Really delightful, Curtis. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Swedenborg and Life Live is Curtis Childs, host and showrunner, with co-host Jonathan Rose. Live stream tech and graphics by Stuart Farmer and Matthew Childs. Show writing and chat moderation by Karin Childs and Chelsea Odner. Mm -hmm.